Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the Youth Thought Podcast. Uh, we are excited to give you yet another weekly fix of sports. Uh, I am back with the usual cohort, Lucas, Aiden, Jared, and Wyatt. And today we've got an interesting episode for you. We'll be touching on uh, the greatest teams to never win at all. We'll be doing a helpline with a, a surprise guest. Um, we'll be doing a classic cash or trash segment, and then we'll be following it up with the second half of our fan sporting experiences that we started off with last week. So let's just jump right into it. Uh, last week, we briefly touched on the 73-9 and nine Warriors and where we thought they might rank among all-time NBA teams. Uh, this week, we thought we would expand that question to all major sports and see if we can maybe come up with a consensus for what the all-time top teams are that should have won it all but didn't. Wyatt, how about you start us off? What are your thoughts on this question? Well, my thoughts, I didn't have to think that hard to come up with a team that was uh, the the best to never win it. I went with the 2007 and slash 2008 New England Patriots, a team that went 16-0 and and they were eventually thwarted by the New York Giants led by the legend Eli Manning. Um, so part of the rise is that they had already won two Super Bowls uh, and within like the last like four years or so from, from that season. And Tom Brady was in the prime of his career. And in the off season going into th- 2007, they acquired Wes Welker and Randy Moss. Moss that year set a record for 23 touchdown catches. Wes Welker tied the record for the most receptions. Brady set the record for the most touchdown passes at 50. And he won the MVP that year. They were destroying teams. They didn't have, they didn't have a single game where they didn't score 30 points. And they ran into the Giants in the Super Bowl. Uh, they blew a four-point lead in the fourth quarter after after Eli Manning put together one of like the greatest scrambling sequences in NFL history. And they only scored 14 points after having just such a high-powered offense the entire year. They lost 17 to 14 in the Super Bowl, and they're one of three teams now to only f- to finish 18 and one. But I mean, had they won, they would have won three championships within a five-year period, which would have definitely qualified for a dynasty. And they fell a little bit short. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that Giants defense and that defensive line in particular, I feel like, can never get enough credit. They were yeah. absurdly good in that Super Bowl and that whole playoff run, actually. Yeah. Oh, that's that's very true. Yeah, quick aside about that. Did you see that Eli Manning joined Twitter and his, his first tweet was... Um, I don't like to paraphrase Jimmy Chitwood. I don't know if it'll make any change, but I figure it's time for me to start playing social media. And then Tom Brady responded, "Welcome at Eli Manning." In typical fashion, you never showed up until the fourth quarter, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Brady's got a good Twitter game, yeah. Yeah, if, if not a good golf game. Yeah. <laughs> true, true. Also true. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think Wyatt's answer to this question is probably the most correct, yep. but I'm going to take it in a little bit different route to, you know, mix it up and go with maybe the most, one of the most talented or like Raleigh talented teams never won at all. And I went um, with Michigan's men's college basketball mm-hmm. team from 91 to 93, i.e. the Fab Five. So they had five top 100 recruits on their team, all freshmen, all playing together with Chris Weber, Jalen Rose, Juwan Howard, Jimmy King, and Ray Jackson. Chris Weber, obviously the cream of the crop. And on another team I sort of considered with the 0102 Sacramento Kings, who, yes. you know, there are issues with them <laughs> having getting screwed over in the Western Conference Finals and all that, too. But up until that time, I think it's just like 
such a transcendent team to like it's before the one and done era and you have these five guys just sort of burst onto the scene all extremely talented extremely raw and then they come so close um in their last in both of their years where they lost to duke in the championship in 92 that was kind of a blowout but then in 93 coming so close against unc and then having chris weber call the timeout to get the technical and costing them any shot at the championship um just sort of heartbreaking so back-to-back runners up with absolutely nothing to show for it they later vacated all those because (laughs) you know (laughs) you know illegal things but you know that being said i think in terms of like maybe raw talent the fab five is one of the best teams to never win a championship in their sport yeah to go off of that lucas and uh i consider the fab five out with another uh college basketball team with um houston basketball in the early 80s Mm. uh they had both hakeem and clyde uh, and mm-hmm. they made the final four three straight years and lost in the championship back to back years. Uh, there are a fair amount of parallels with yeah with Fab Five in terms of that, but um, yeah, they they just missed so many free throws. Uh, the <laughs> the Houston team, but besides that, they they had so much talent. It's kind of hard to believe they didn't at least grab a single title. Yeah, because those are two like all time yeah. NBA greats on that college I team, know. and to like not be able to win a title with that is crazy. <laughs> what years yeah. were that again aiden um i think it was 82 to 84 i want to say or something like that yeah mm-hmm. gotcha it's a really good 30 for 30 on those teams as well too if anybody you know has some time yeah. subscribe to espn plus <laughs> wait lucas <clears throat> how can you put the the fab five up there when they when they went 25 and 9 during the regular season they were they were all freshmen. You know, they were <laughs> hang a bit, you know. Oh, by the oh. end, they made the the, the championship. They were, were, games, wasn't you know? that Kentucky? The the Anthony Davis Kentucky team was basically all freshmen. They went, I think, almost undefeated. Yeah, correct. It's a different era. People are you know, <laughs> you know, they, this They're was better. before any freshmen played. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, in, in like, Lucas's think, defense, like, which team do you like is yeah. more iconic now? Yeah, that five and not that Kentucky yeah. team. I would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that is yeah. fair. Did that Kentucky team win at all? I feel like they're with Anthony Davis. Yeah, I, th- I think they did. Yeah. I don't even yeah. remember. Yeah, yeah. I think they just lost one game right all year. I believe so. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, um, to, to to loop back, I yeah, I just think it's kind of interesting to think about how it it shows, um, just like how unpredictable playoffs slash like that type of thing and then sports structures can, um like basically make everything unpredictable you, you can have yeah. a really good team all season long which is why like i thought about like um like european soccer league teams yeah. but then it was like you're never really going to get a good answer using that because the winner of that league is literally just whoever has the best overall yeah. regular season so it's yeah. like yeah um so one team that i wanted to touch on um well actually i had two so one is the 15 16 spurs i think people completely forget about these guys i did too they went mm. 67 and 15, like one of the best regular seasons of all time. And then they didn't even make it to the finals. They didn't even make it to the Western Conference finals. They lost in the semifinals of the Western Conference to the Thunder. And this was, of course, the year that the Thunder blew a lead to the Warriors. And then the Warriors blew a lead to the Cavaliers. But yeah, so that Spurs <laughs> team had like one of the best defenses of this whole decade. I was looking into it. They allowed like 93 points a game, which is unheard of in the fast paced um yeah like modern era so anyway that was one team i forgot about and then of course the minnesota homer in me has to touch on mm-hmm. the 98 99 vikings <sighs> they, 
They went 15 and 1. They had Randall Cunningham in his prime. They had Chris Carter in his prime. They had a rookie Randy Moss who was mm-hmm. unstoppable. It's like probably the best offense of all time. Oh my! I just I don't even really have words to express how unbelievable it is that they, they didn't even make it the Super Bowl, let alone win it. <laughs> yeah. What What happened to them that season? Did they lose in the championship? They lost. Or? Yeah, they lost to the Falcons. That was the iconic wide left. Mm. Um, oh yeah, yeah. In the in the yeah dying. Oh seconds. yeah! Didn't the kicker like he had been perfect all season like he had not yep. missed a kick yep gary anderson that. i think yeah, yeah yeah and it was in a dome too if i'm not mistaken oh. which is just like ah oh. that is yeah that's so, so that, minnesota that's, yeah, yeah. i am certain that the vikings would have won the super bowl that year if they had yeah. it. but uh oh. yeah what are you gonna do two th- two or three-year-old yeah. bart i guess guess three-year-old bart is, <laughs> was very angry it was <laughs> at gary anderson yeah no just two because i hadn't had my birthday yet that year for in 99 yeah, can, can i do math yeah. <laughs> anyways oh yeah but you were born at, yeah, yeah he would have he would have turned two in december 99 yeah, 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 yeah. and then, true, the, and then that was january true math man. cool difficult glad we figured that out <laughs> yeah uh, another one where bart would have been really young that i wanted to nominate the the 2001 seattle mariners yeah yeah, yeah i had that too yeah, yeah, yeah obviously 116 too. wins which i think is impressive like you're like you're saying about the regular season bart that replicating 116 good games is just crazy i believe they never lost back-to-back games that year we- which is also crazy Obviously, they, that was the first year of Ichiro, where they had the MVP. Yes. He was the MVP and rookie of the year that year. He was Ball a rookie because he was coming from Japan, but he was like 27 at the time. <laughs> but like, so four of their nine everyday players hit over 300, which for you non-baseball fans is very good. <laughs> Anytime you hit over 300. They, they probably have multiple Hall of Famers on that team with Ichiro, well, Edgar Martinez, yeah. Jamie Moyer probably too. Um, Jamie Moyer, yep. native of Satterton, Pennsylvania. Is he really? High school as him. So, <laughs> wow. yes, my, my hometown's one claim to fame is that Jamie Moyer went to my high school. Yeah. Did you know that <laughs> Jamie Moyer started pitching in 1947? That was his first year. <laughs> yeah, I, I, seriously. I've heard that yeah. as well. Lucas, That's don't don't like. sleep on the, the Bloodhound gang also, right? Oh, yes, the drummer for the Bloodhound gang also went to my high school. Icon. <laughs> if, if you don't know who they are, look up The Bad Touch. It is, in retrospect... Not great, but you know. <laughs> moving on. Yeah, yeah, and also real quick, hey. the Mariners that that year um, scored the most runs and allowed the fewest runs. So they were like literally just the best team, and and they didn't again. They didn't even make it to the World Series. So, I know. It's crazy. It's absurd. Freaking Yankees. Thanks, Lucas. <laughs> yeah, always yeah. the Yankees. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. I agree with Wyatt. The obvious answer is the Patriots, and maybe yeah. the, the Warriors are probably the obvious number two. But the interesting question is who would be the third best team that ever won it all? I'm sure one of the ones that we just listed is up there. But food for thought. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of hard to compare across sports, obviously. But yeah. 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 I agree that number one and two are clear cut, though. That you said. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I think so too. Yeah. All right. So. After uh, discussing those greatest teams not win at all, we're going to move maybe into a player who might become one of the greatest of them all. Jared Stidham is taking over as quarterback of the New England Patriots uh, coming up next season if it happens. He's taking over for maybe the greatest quarterback to ever play the game, Tom Brady. And we're just so lucky to have him calling in to our show today. 
it was wild. I don't know if we need to put a disclaimer in here, but um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Hey guys, With Jared Stidham. <laughs> hey guys, it's Jared Stidham here. I'm a big fan yes. of the, I'm a big fan of the show. Um, really, just trying to do all the work I can, you know, with this COVID thing. Um, I, I wanted to weigh it in with you guys though. Should I bother buying a new place in uh, New England, or am I just going to be replaced after this year when they when the when the Patriots tank? What can I do to maximize my chances, guys? Again, big fan of the show. Let me know your thoughts. Dude, apparently all Jareds or Jarrets, you know, y'all sound the same, apparently. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's, it's no difference. Hey, we're happy to have you, Jared. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the show. Um, in my opinion, I think I think you you ought to be pretty comfortable investing in a new place. Um, and I have a few reasons oh. for saying that. I, I think I think maybe not the most expensive place, because, you know, we've heard that the, the Stafford and Brady mansions of the world take years to sell, so. Yeah. And you also you're you're not, you're not making that money anyway, but yeah. Well, speaking of making money, one reason I say that is that you're under contract for three more years at least, and I think the Patriots, if even if they don't love you this year and you don't start, you know, next year for example, I don't see them. I don't see them trading you or cutting you. I think I think you will be serviceable backup at the least. Secondly, I think that maybe the best uh, evidence to keep you around, in my opinion, is what the Patriots didn't do in the draft this year, which is draft a quarterback. Um, I think that it, it shows that they are, while maybe not uh, incredibly confident in you, they are confident enough in you to give you a shot. At least that's how I'm interpreting it. So I think that if you if you you know work your butt off, if you put in the work and you and you grind, I think you are going to be capable of at least impressing BB enough to uh, you know stick around for another <laughs> year. <or two. laughs> obviously Thanks, nobody knows how that man thinks and what's going on you know maybe maybe they are really planning on tanking but i don't believe that yeah i was gonna say i would invest in a one-year lease i think that that's you know <laughs> a serviceable idea at this point not that you don't have loads of potential but even i think if you show any potential um i think that we've seen what patriots can do with quarterbacks in the past sort of flip them for one year you've seen i mean Turning out like Matt Castle would not be the worst opportunity for you, Kansas City. Though maybe not the destination that would happen now because they have the greatest quarterback <laughs> in the league. But, you know, I've heard that, you know, maybe Tennessee is nice this time of year. So I think you should, you know, try your best, have a good year. Best case scenario, you're the next Tom Brady. Worst case scenario, you get to sign a mega contract somewhere else or get traded and because you had one good year on the Patriots system. So, I don't know. I think one year at least, take it year by year. See how it goes. Yeah, Sounds good. yeah. I'm with Lucas on on this one. I'm gonna say year to year. Uh, I'm sorry, Jared. I know you want more stability <laughs> than that, but I don't think it's there yet. Uh, the good news. We'll start with the good news. Uh, you got a great defense. You got a good O line. Uh, the AFC East is pretty open, to be honest. Uh, Bills are Bills are good, but by no means dominant. You know, the Jets are always a, a force to be reckoned with. Um, but you know, it's <laughs> it's pretty open, and I, I think you guys still have a shot. Uh, the bad news is that, well, your receiving core is old and it's literally just Julian Edelman. Um, and <laughs> family also, though. yeah, family. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also New England fans uh, are, well, to start out, they're Boston fans, a lot of them, which means they're <laughs> a special breed. Um, and second, they've been spoiled for what, like... How long is Tom Brady? Twenty been? years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been it's been ages. They will not be okay with mediocrity at this position. So, 
I know, I know. Get, Good get thing I'm worried. not a mediocre quarterback, am I right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you you <laughs> took the words right out of my mouth, Bart. <laughs> it's easy, yeah. Just don't be mediocre, and you know. Speaking of the enough. Jets. Speaking of the Jets being a force to reckon with, I'm very aware of that. Uh, I threw a pick six against them. If you guys, hopefully, you guys forgot about that. Uh, yeah, what is but, your your interception percentage at the moment? Is like twenty five percent in regular yeah, season games. I think it's something like. So that. I think you'll improve upon that. I, I, that's that's <laughs> one thing. Book it. You're gonna have a better <laughs> interception percentage than that this season. So that that I'm looking up there for you, Jared. I appreciate the enthusiasm. Thank you, guys. Why do you have any thoughts? I think you have, there is a certain New England home available for sale if you were thinking of buying a more permanent stay. Um, I think you have an opportunity to, to do some good things in New England, and I definitely believe I believe in your MVP odds. I'll tell you that much. Okay. I believe in Jared Stidham. I'll say that. <laughs> okay. It has Woo. been said. That's the news I want to hear, guys. Thank you so much for the positive feedback. I'm getting back to work. My boy Tom Brady, my brother Tom Brady, I'm still in communication <laughs> with him. I'll be learning some tips. Um, thank you, guys. Have a good one. <laughs> Thanks again for having uh, having the time to, to, to come on the call. I know. I know. Yeah, what a great guy, Jarrett Stidham. Am I right? <laughs> so it's crazy. I can't even tell the difference uh, that he's gone now. Know, it's like we have like his doppelganger yeah, right here. Wild. <laughs> Anyway, we're going to transition into our recurring segment, Cash or Trash. You guys know the drill by now. And why I'm going to start with you. Um, Damian Lillard said he won't be playing um, if there's no legitimate chance for the Trailblazers to make it into the playoffs. So why did I ask you? NBA players who aren't in playoff contention would be justified in sitting out. I'm going with Cash on this one. and I mean, it's plain and simple. What do they really have to play for? Every player plays a year, so that way they have a chance to win a championship. And if that chance is taken away, why would they go out there and they risk their health? Coronavirus or not, they could they could just get hurt in a meaningless game and be forced to forfeit the next season as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see, you see it happen all the time where somebody just gets a freak accident, injury. They're stuck, and then, I mean, there have been plenty of players who have missed well over a year, like Victor Oladipo, you know, and... Uh, it doesn't make sense for them to go out there and, and play as hard as they possibly can for nothing. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm 100% cashing it as well. I don't think this team should even be invited to, to like just to minimize the risk of the virus, just right. logistically speaking. Um, like you said, there's a high likelihood of getting uh, hurt. One thing that uh, Damian Lillard responded to ESPN's Dan Orlovsky um, was criticizing Lillard for being entitled. And it's not like basketball is an, an essential activity. He can sit it out if he wants. And Damian Lillard responded to Dan Orlovsky by saying, you sat out your whole career, basically. And that, <laughs> with, with a shrugging emoji. So it was pretty, his wife. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty I funny. love Dame. Yeah, so he's, my, he's, he's cold. My one question for you guys, I agree he's cold. Do you, would you say then that when a a team is eliminated from the playoffs in a normal season that the players should start. Yeah. That is also my question. They do that. I feel like they already do that though. Yeah. They, they do do that. Yeah. But like, I don't know. Like this would be like, they still play. Yeah. They still play, you know, at least every other day or, you know, maybe reduced minutes, Mm -hmm. but here they just wouldn't be showing up. One one would think. And I feel like that's going to, 
whether yeah, that's different or not like it's gonna give, give a different vibe yeah yeah. yeah 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 i agree the nba should just make it easier for everybody and say don't come yeah but, i agree yeah i agree yeah anyway but, yeah anyway bart let's go to you bradley bill bradley beal will or should get traded this offseason cash or trash uh i cash the should i trash the will i don't think mm-hmm. he will um, I just don't think the Wizards have the balls, basically. But <laughs> I, I do think, he, at the very least, I would say he deserves it. He, I mean, he put up like 30 points a game last season. Yeah. He wasn't even picked at the All-Star game. He's The Wizards are just seemingly always going nowhere. Uh, yeah. Who knows when John Wall will be back. That man is like a constant like injury. Um, I think Beal would be better off somewhere else, but I think he's just too important to the Wizards, and I don't think they have the guts to essentially tank, I guess, by trading him. Um, but yeah, what do you think, Lucas? I mean, you basically took the words right out of my mouth. I think I would trash the will, cash the should. He's too good a player to be stuck on, as incompetent of an organization as the Wizards are. I think that they've like not done a good enough job of surrounding him and John Wall with talent, and John Wall has just been such like a like you said, like a walking injury nightmare for the most part. Like as talented as he is, that to ever really make that team into much of anything. So I think he deserves his shot to go somewhere. He's a great player, but I don't think it'll happen. I just don't think the Wizards could even like be competent enough to put together a good trade package for him as well. So moving on from the NBA, um, as people know, I'm a pretty big soccer fan. So going forward, um, most of the major four leagues um, in European soccer are coming back with Germany's Bundesliga already being back and... La Liga in Spain, Serie A in Italy, and the Premier League in England all set to come back within the next two or three weeks. So, Jared, cash or trash whether you'll become a soccer fan at least temporarily now that these leagues are back? I'm unfortunately trashing this. I did watch a (laughs) Bundesliga game with Lucas when it resumed, and watching a sport that you're not used to without fans just makes it seem so much more boring. I'm sorry, (laughs) unfortunately. And and it requires research into getting to know the people and the teams and the storylines. That's why I enjoy like Formula One now, for example, because I learned about the characters. Because when you're watching a big action movie with the characters that you don't care about, it's not really that fun. Um, and I'm not interested in getting to know them, unfortunately. <laughs> so I'm I'm trashing I'm trashing it. Bart, what do you think? Oh man, that kind of that saddens me to, to hear you say that. But I, I guess I totally understand. I'm cashing this, but I, I guess the reason for that is that I'm I feel like I'm a little more familiar with, with the players in the leagues and the and the teams and the you know expectations and whatnot. Um, I don't know which of the four leagues I, I would most commit to, but I do see myself sitting down and watching, you know, a few games here and there in the meantime, at least until like the NBA comes back. Um, just because I, in my opinion, soccer's soccer's great and it would be better than nothing. Even if I am like you, not, you know, super well-versed and, and everything that's going on. But yeah, that's a, that's a cash for me. Next up, let's transition to the NFL. Uh, Aiden, let's start with you. George Kittle recently said that he deserves more than top tight end money. He deserves George Kittle money. What do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna cash it, uh, but I, I don't think it's specific to George Kittle. I think that tight ends are just underpaid in general. Um, in terms of like the franchise tag for tight ends, like the only higher, the only uh, lower franchise tags are for kickers, punters, and running backs, which isn't super unreasonable. But I think that I would argue that the best tight ends are 
should be somewhere in the ballpark of the top wide receivers. Not necessarily, you know, that, but somewhere near it. Uh, and at the moment, the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL, Julio Jones, is making $22 million a year. And the highest paid tight end is making $9 million a year. I believe it's Kyle Rudolph at the moment. Gronk only averaged $9 million per year during his time at the Pats. I think that's pretty ridiculous that the best wide receivers are paid over twice that of uh, yeah. the best tight ends. So I think George Kittle is worth more than the, the highest paid tight end, even if I think there are better tight ends, even if he's up there. But I, I do think there are better tight ends. I agree. I'm also going to cash that. And I understand the business of football that a team can't tie up all their money in one player. And I don't think that he should be making quarterback money. I think even mm-hmm. Julio Jones's $22 million contract is a lot. But there isn't a player in the league that does what George Kittle does. And there isn't mm-hmm. a tight end in that, that does what George Kittle does, especially for the 49ers mm-hmm. and their offense and what they do. And plus the 49ers are in a prime position to spend money on their best <laughs> player. right? Yeah, I'm going to double down on Aiden's point about the tight ends is that actually the highest paid tight end makes $10.6 million a year. And those Austin Hooper and Hunter Henry who signed his franchise tenor. Uh, But there are two tight ends. Those two make over $10 million. And then there are 11 NFL wide receivers that make over $15 million. So you can see the gap in between both positions when a lot of the times the tight end is mainly the, the primary pass catcher, especially if you're the 49ers and you're George Kittle. So cash, yeah. I think he, he yeah. deserves his money. Yeah. Um, moving on. Lucas question for you. The NFL's fourth and 15th proposal should have been accepted. Cash or trash. I'm going to trash this one. I do think that there might be a need to replace onside kicks just in terms of, you know, safety and everything. Cause they are very dangerous plays. That being said, fourth and 15 feels too easy like teams gain 15 yards all the time in games. I tried to find the exact stat on how often it happens, but I couldn't. But it's a fairly common occurrence for a team to gain 15 yards on a play. And the thing that makes an onside kick such like a risky play is that it has such a low success rate. I think if you did something like a fourth and 30, I think that's like a pretty <laughs> comparable replacement because it's like, you know, 30-yard plays still happen, just like an onside kick does sometimes happen. But it's so rare that, it probably wouldn't happen, but it's worth it to maybe take that risk if you're down or anything like that. So I'm going to trash it. Bart, how do you feel? I regret to say I agree. And I, I say that because, like, to me, onside kicks are just, like, so wonderful and so satisfying when you see yeah. them work. Uh, and, and, like, the biggest the biggest draw for me to keeping them is is just, like, the tradition of it, I guess, and just the fact that uh, it feels, like, more, like, football-y to keep them. But I agree that... Um, like they're dangerous and they they succeed so incredibly rarely, it almost seems like it's pointless to even have them at all. So I I agree. Fourth and fifteen is is way too easy. Like Mahomes and and Andy Reid would dial up a, a successful fourth and fifteen conversion like every time. I think that would be a hack. Um, I, yeah. So fourth and thirty, something more like that makes sense. Although with that being said, I wouldn't hate to see onside kicks stay, um, just because they are so like unique and. Memorable, I guess. Like the the one time an onside kick in a Pro Bowl got returned for a touchdown is like ingrained in my mind as like one of the coolest football plays ever. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's neither here nor there. Um, next, let's transition to Jared's new favorite sport, uh, Formula One. Jared, actually, let's start with you. Do you think Audi was right to drop driver Daniel Apt after his prank where he essentially had somebody 
play for him in an online race. Yeah. So he's a Formula E driver. So it's it's a Formula One. It's like a Formula One car, but it's electric powered. Um, so it's real driving. But Green. but they're obviously cool. doing the virtual Grand Prix right now. Um, and he hired a professional sim racer, sim racer, like you said. I think it's a trash for me. The races are being done for entertainment, not real competition. So the race doesn't mean anything. And I think the point of a professional athlete is to entertain and make money for their team. Is he misrepresenting Audi? Yes, by cheating. But I don't think it's in, – in an event that doesn't mean any – like literally it doesn't mean anything for real competition, I think it's an overreaction to sack him from the team. Because um, I don't think people – and I just wonder like how far this would extend. Like if he if he cheats in like Call of Duty, if he's hacking in that game, is he like tarnishing Audi's name there? <laughs> it's it, it's kind of a slippery slope, but I, it would be interesting to see like how far that extends to when he's not representing Audi and when he is. I, I It's an interesting question, but I'm trashing it. Aiden, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with you on that, Jared. I, I'm trashing it. I mean, it was it was not a good prank. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not funny. <laughs> it was, it was, <laughs> let's be clear, it was not funny, even the slightest, no. <laughs> um, but, it, but it was kind of harmless. I mean, like, as you mentioned, the virtual tournament has no meaning. Uh, I figured that there'd be some kind of prize money or something, but there's no prize money. There's no like awards points. The whole point is this entertaining fans thing, which is what he was going for with this. Um, and I believe him when he said when he said he was gonna, you know, release a video revealing this hoax, and you know, everyone's gonna be like, "Whoa, oh my god!" Um, yeah. it didn't really go as planned there, but I just can't imagine like an NBA team like releasing a player for cheating in like a two K tournament or something yeah. like that. Like it's it's a pretty wild concept to me that this happened in the first place. Uh, but but poor Daniel, I hope I hope someone else <laughs> picks him up, and I hope yeah. he just stays away from yeah, <laughs> uh, from virtual games at this point. Yeah, uh, yeah. Moving on to our next one. So recently, the Forbes list of highest paid athletes came out, and Roger Federer was on top with 106 million a year, I believe. Uh, so Lukas, cash or trash? Roger Federer belongs at the top of the list of highest paid athletes. I'm going to trash it. I'm I'm sure he's like a lovely man and <laughs> he gets, but like I, in terms of like pure notability's sake, I think he doesn't pass enough. I also think it was interesting looking at the breakdown of it. He only makes like six million in salary a year, but a hundred million in endorsements, which is crazy. crazy to me. Yeah. Um but like I said, I don't think he passes like the notability snuff test. Like I guess he's internationally famous, but if we're talking purely in terms of like international fame i don't think he reaches the level of like a messi or ronaldo um when it comes to soccer um i think he gets like a lot of the money because he has you know lots of luxury brands that tennis is associated Mm -hmm. with and even that he's like not in his prime anymore i think you can make an argument that djokovic or nadal are better at this point so i mean i'm glad he's successful but i don't think he deserves to be you know considered the deserving of the title highest paid athlete Of the past year. Yeah. Bart, how are you feeling about it? Or Aiden, how are you feeling about it? <laughs> how dare you. Sorry. I, I was you thinking of the last with one. that man. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm actually going to cash it. Uh, I'm going to say, you know, why not? <laughs> I think it's a very different discussion from, like, which athlete deserves to be paid the most. Uh, because, like, as you mentioned, Lucas, if you look at the athletes on this list, and this is especially true with Federer, a lot of their money is made based off endorsements, which isn't necessarily a measure of like 
how valuable a player is in terms of their their talent. Um, and I am kind of surprised. I mean, I, like I've seen him in plenty of you know watch commercials, uh, but like I I didn't know that he was killing it so much with endorsements, especially given that he's old at this point and he's less dominant. But I think it makes sense. Tennis is well suited to create international, like individual international stars. First of all, it's an individual sport. It has worldwide appeal, which is something that like only soccer and maybe basketball. There aren't, there aren't too many sports that can say that. And unlike soccer, it's there aren't multiple leagues to follow. It's, you know, the one essentially, which makes it mm-hmm. easy to have like a big central star. And also it's a rich sport. So as Lucas mentioned, luxury brands are going to be all over Federer. So I think I see why he's such a safe pick. He's such a squeaky clean like guy. Whereas like Novak Djokovic, for example, kind of seems like a jerk. So you can see why, see why like, even if he's better, why someone wouldn't want to, you know, give the money to him instead. Uh, so, so I do kind of see why Federer is the top paid, even if he's not necessarily the, the most talented player, even in the sport. Yeah, the the sport of of uh, tennis is like so exotic. Like, I don't know what it is about tennis and where I drew this connection, but I think of Italy. And I th- when you think of that, it's like it's so exotic and rich and you know, full yeah. of culture. So I think that that's where they get them. Yeah. I have a question for you guys. Cause you might've done some research or came across this mm-hmm. Lucas and Aiden. Mm-hmm. Where, where does his base salary come from? Are they tournament winnings or does he get, does he like sign with a team or something like that? I've it's, always wondered where yeah. tennis players get their money. I'm pretty sure it's all tournament winnings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that which, and golfers. And yeah, I, never knew. Yeah. I never knew where their money actually came from. But anyway, we're going to move on to our grand finale. Uh, We did the three worst last year. We're going to do the three (laughs) best sporting experiences. Aiden, we're going to start with you. What is your third best sporting experience? Uh, I'm going to say like fan faux pas are always really fun. Uh, So for example, (laughs) dropping things, spilling things. Uh, One of my favorites is that like a baseball game when like a foul ball just like, uh, like, ricochets around the crowd with a bunch of people touching it and not actually holding on to it bonus points if it like falls from one section to the section below it because someone dropped it that's that's always really fun um yeah also people spilling their beer like people sitting courtside in the nba like spilling their beers on the floor and having to stop the game so i'm, I'm a big fan of any any fan messing up and us having the opportunity to uh to mock them <laughs> Jared used to drop his food all the time when he went to baseball games. Really? <laughs> yeah, one time, one time he went to Subway beforehand, and we pull up to the stadium and we walk in, and the Jared opens a sandwich, grabs one half of it, and immediately dropped it on the ground. And then I think you ended up dropping the remainder bits of your sandwich, like the last like three bites, oh, uh, when you went to. I, I, I remember, remember that being that. one of your biggest things. I do remember that actually. <laughs> yeah, the very first Notre Dame football game I went to at age like six, back in like two thousand three. Um, we walked right into the stadium, walked up to our seats, and I had, like, a caramel apple in my hand, and I oh. dropped it down the stairs and started just, like, bawling my ass. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the usher felt so bad for me that he let us, like, leave the stadium and come back in so I could get a new one, oh. like, right outside. <laughs> so I must have been, like, apocalyptic. <laughs> that is I know. Awesome. Oh, what a bro. What a bro. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, that's actually a perfect segue for me. Um, my third best sporting experience, and I apologize in advance for, I'm sure I'm probably stealing this from somebody, it's just Notre Dame game days uh, in general. Yep. Um, <laughs> the one thing that keeps this from being higher on my list is is just like the intoxicated people who are really annoying to deal with. Um, 
but everything else about him is so much fun. Just the, the energy is palpable. Um, the just the the excitement of the game and actually being at the game, except for when it's cold or, or rainy. Um, but just like seeing your favorite team playing and, and probably winning because they were usually good during our during our stints in, in college. Uh, game yeah. days are just like that. They were just such a, a breath of fresh air from regular like days, <laughs> I guess. So that's my three. Um, what about you, Lucas? Yes, I would like to add to yours that it specifically is like a three thirty kickoff time because mm. i think when the, it's the, the 7 30 kickoff it's like you have a little too much time in your day to partake in whatever activities and sometimes <laughs> you have to go back to your apartment and nap it off for a little bit but <laughs> the, and 2 30 is too early because like you you get up and it feels like rushed to get to the game and everything that being said <laughs> yeah. the um my third best experience i did it sort of like i did last weekend which i talked about a general and then a specific so i think it's very broad pretty simple as just being there when your team wins a big game um, I thought specifically of Notre Dame versus Stanford in 2018, yeah, which was, was they were both they were both top ten teams at the time. Um, it was sort of like the like they won the Michigan game the first game, but then this was like the first like real test like are they actually a good team? And then they won and they blew them out in the fourth quarter. And I just remember being there and thinking like wow like my team is very good and I'm very happy. And I think it's just like a cool experience to like <laughs> be there when your team like proves itself. So. Simple, but being there when your team wins a big game is number three for me. What about you, Jared? What's your number three? I agree with that, by the way. Um, My third, with the Stanford game specifically, it was very fun. My third one is batting practice shenanigans at a baseball Mm. game. Um, You have the obviously very good chance of catching a ball because they're just jacking home runs. Um, and like, kind of like jockeying with people to get one's kind of fun as well as like trying to yell at the outfielders, like looking up who they are and like what uh, college they went to and like trying to get them to throw you a ball. I I have like, uh, memories of doing that at Mariners games, which I thought were pretty funny. Um, so that's my third best. What about you, Wyatt, to round off our third best? Uh, mine's not nearly as sentimental. Mine's just beating the halftime rush. Uh, I think that I had spoken about it as my third or one of my worst ones was waiting in line. Um, And I think that if you get up and you're like, you know, I think I'm going to start making my way to the concessions at halftime or go to the bathroom (laughs) or something like that. And you time it just right. I've never felt better about myself by looking back at all the other idiots behind me and say, you guys don't know what I got. So I think beating the halftime rush is, is one of my best <laughs> best experiences. I might also add not beating the halftime rush to my worst experience <laughs> yeah. last week because it's I terrible. remember right before coronavirus started, I went to a Wolves game and I really wanted to go to the beef jerky stand they have at Target Center. And I left like I timed it just incorrectly, and as I was like coming down, I saw like fifteen people get into the line, <laughs> and I'm like, it's not even worth it at this point. So. Yeah, at that point you turn around and just go back. Yeah, mm-hmm. honestly, why go at halftime when it's a Wolves game? You know, why not? Exactly, you can go whenever. The fourth quarter, you'd be better off not watching <laughs> the game. Why are you even at the game? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, moving on to our our second best sporting fan sporting experiences. Mine is going to be when someone mediocre or unexpected has a moment. Uh, and this is specifically yeah. with like a walk on coming on in like a college basketball game and like hitting a three. Like people will not go more wild than like when that happens. Mm-hmm. And let's be That's honest, they they generally just brick it. Uh, but when they hit it, it's a special moment. Um, so, but like Lynn Sanity is a Knicks fan, you know, ten mm-hmm. years ago. 
that was a, a <laughs> was wild moment. That was not. I, I think ago. so. I yeah, know. someone someone looked I'm up gonna how, feel really yeah, old someone looked up when that was. Um, but <laughs> like that was that was like a whole month of the walk on coming on and yeah, you know, just absolutely balling. So that, that was a lot of fun. All the Lynn puns too. Oh god, there, it was like crazy. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was twenty twelve. So yeah, like, okay, uh, eight years. Yeah, t- yeah. that still feels still long. That's still a long time. It's a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, my number two is getting a little bit nostalgic. It is just watching Sports Center Top Ten as a kid. Mm, uh, yeah. I remember doing that mm-hmm. all the time as a kid, and it was just always the highlight of like my morning. I want to say specifically, it was like you'd yeah. eat your cereal, you'd flick on the TV, and you'd just be like, "All right, what are the like the funny or like awesome like sports clips that they can show me?" I'm pretty yeah. sure that's just like how I got into sports in general at first was Sports Center top ten clips, because um, <laughs> like I didn't know anything about sports like in America at least being raised by Polish parents. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just those are always so interesting, and like the Sports Center not top ten. Also, mm. iconic. Mm. So that's my number two. Mm. Oh, so yeah. nostalgic. Yeah. Damn. No, yeah. I, I agree, Bart. That was, I remember yeah. every morning from like, honestly, probably like fifth grade through high school, I would get up at six, eat my cereal and watch Sports Center, yeah. and then leave for the bus at seven when it finished. And like, that, that, <laughs> th- those memories are so ingrained into my mind. Oh, it's like a collective so, experience at this point. Yeah, eating cereal I know, and watching Sports right? Center. Oh, what a time. Uh-huh. Anyway. I can't even anyway, imagine but, getting up at six a.m. anymore. I know. The, and then like the waiting at a bus stop. At six. I'm like, wow. Wait, you don't you don't get up that early to watch it anymore? <laughs> well, and waiting at a bus stop when it's like thirty when it's like thirty degrees out. Oh, as as someone who is currently reliving middle school, it is not a, <laughs> not a fun experience to get up at six a.m. every morning. Oh my God. So that being said. Um, my second best, um, is, I don't know. I feel like all of mine are very sentimental as well, but my second one is, um, seeing one of your favorite teams play live for the first time. Um, and I think specifically, um, when I saw Liverpool, like in Liverpool, um, when I was a brother in 2017 and it was just cool. Cause it's like a moment I'd built up to like being a fan for like, I don't know, like seven or eight years at that point and like never thinking I could actually go because it's in England and stuff like that. And I think it's just like a really cool experience because, you know, sports are great on TV. It's like what helps you fall in love with it since most people like aren't there every weekend. But like having that singular opportunity to like see a team live that you like really care about is super cool. So seeing your favorite team live for the first time, second best possible sports experience. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's, a, that's a good one as well. Um, I, my second one is like screaming before a fourth down stand in football specifically <laughs> like i think walk-offs are obviously super exciting but i like the prolonged like the prolonged anticipation of like a fourth down stand and that and like that you're actually actively participating in during that play and that you're like yelling loud and everything um so those are like i definitely liked watching games when we were on defense because it's more participatory where offense you're supposed to be quiet um so that's my second one more general, but obviously Notre Dame focused. So, <laughs> Wyatt, what about you for number two? My number two is witnessing a buzzer beater. I feel mm. like I feel like it's a really fun moment. It's like you mentioned with the walk off. Like it's there's a lot of relief when it comes from watching after a very tense game, your team hit a buzzer beater or like a walk off or having like some game winning hail mary type deal. Um, I'm not a huge Portland fan, but I did remember it was cool when Damian Lillard hit the buzzer yeah. beater against Houston mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. And then, of oh, course, I've seen some. There? 
No, no, no. I wasn't there. But I remember watching the game, and I thought that it was a really cool thing. And I was in an area where, like, everyone in Portland was, like, super excited about it. So, um, And then I've seen some, like, Kevin Durant buzzer beaters when he was in Oklahoma City. So I think that those are two really, like, fun moments for me to watch. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. But, okay. but yeah, right, to, yeah, to follow up, Wyatt, I wanted to say uh, the Steph Curry buzzer beater against the Thunder is also, like, maybe the single awesomest buzzer beater that I've seen. I don't know if the, the one where he hits it from like mid court, basically. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, they're just they're just so crazy. Like it, it's it's such a weird, interesting like part of sports is the, are the buzzer beaters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or like yeah. the Derek Fisher one where he somehow got a shot off in point one seconds. Yeah. The worst. <laughs> Going back to the Not the really Lakers dynasties. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. For my number one, I'm gonna pick something that often happens after a buzzer beater i'm going with storming the court i think is a a great <laughs> fan moment i'm sorry <laughs> yeah. um i've done it once after notre dame took down number two unc in 2016 i'm sorry lucas i see <laughs> you have also chosen this moment <laughs> um uh, never mind that notre dame later lost to unc in the acc tournament that year by a score of 78 to 47 uh, <laughs> we don't we don't need to talk about that uh, but i think just the adrenaline of you know as a fan like feeling that you're involved in it and you get to you know express that adrenaline rush uh and you know stand on the court and all that i think i think it's a pretty wild moment uh so that's something i, I probably will not ever do again uh but i think it's is up there in terms of fan sporting experiences <laughs> sorry lucas <laughs> i was yeah i remember uh quick story i was so salty that i didn't apply for that game i was like you gotta be kidding me the one game that all my friends go to and i didn't i was like i'm not gonna get tickets anyway so i didn't even apply for that game and i was really salty it was pretty funny i remember that (laughs) oh my god if anyone remembers whether i was at that game let me know because i don't remember that you were not it was me aiden jess and steph went um, I think I'm salty too in that case. <laughs> anyway, for my number one, I am staying in the vein of buzzer beaters. But uh, as you probably could guess, given that I'm a Minnesota fan, I'm transitioning to the Vikes. Minneapolis Miracle is my number one. Uh, that moment was just like so absurdly crazy for me. I, I was watching it with a couple of friends actually in, in a sports bar in Vienna of all places. Uh, and it was just like we were all just so downcast. We were like, all right, screw this. Like we might as well just leave. And then when that when that touchdown happened, it was just like the whole bar exploded. It was like ecstasy. Oh man, such a great feeling. We thought that we would actually go somewhere in the playoffs. Of course, we didn't. Um, you know, <laughs> Lucas Eagles can go, can go screw themselves. But yeah, that that just like yeah, buzzer beaters in football I think are even cooler than in basketball if you can call it that. So mm-hmm. that was my number one. Lucas, how do you feel about um, I don't know about storming the court? <laughs> I don't know. I think that it, it might have been my number one. Uh, yeah, so just in rushing the court, storming the court was my number one sporting experience as well, um, specifically the one that I was at with Aiden. I think it's just, like, such a fun experience to, um, I don't know, like Aiden said, like, you feel involved. Like, it's like this momentous thing has happened. If I remember correctly, that game between Notre Dame and UNC, like, they were down by a bunch at halftime yeah. and, like, slowly chipped their way back and came back. 
Um, I remember thinking the whole time, you know, I'm glad Jared is in here because he'll be just <laughs> taking away from my joy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Um, um, but I, um, yeah, it's just so fun. And then you go and then you're like, you're on the court with like the players and like everybody's high fiving. And I think it's just like a really, really fun experience. So, yeah yes that, that i agree with lucas let's be clear it would have been like maybe a top 15 experience if jared was there but since jared wasn't there it's yeah, number one easy yeah <laughs> all right so speaking of jared what is your number one yeah thanks for that guys. experience so i actually didn't beforehand for some reason i didn't think of this but then when you guys were talking it made it became so clear to me is being in paris when france won the 2018 world cup I was lucky enough to be in in France that entire World Cup season. That was the mm-hmm. only time I really paid attention to soccer. And we would go to like French bar or bars. They were all French bars, I guess. Uh, but we <laughs> going to bars um, and like people knowing we were Americans and like talking to us about what we thought about soccer and all that stuff and like what we thought about Trump because that was like kind of the popular thing to do is ask Americans what they think about Trump and stuff. But I was in like a Paris cafe the day they won and like. There was like boats along the Seine that were honking their horns, cars honking their horns. We went down the Champs Elysees and like it was like, it was really it was just a crazy scene. It was honestly I felt really like in danger, so I kind of le- <laughs> I left like pretty early, but um it was it was very fun. Yeah, it was just a crazy night. So that's that's my number one. What about you, Wyatt? Uh, I did have storming the court, but since we brought that up, I'm uh <laughs> I'm not gonna put storming the court down. Um, I've actually, I've kind of going back and forth on which one my number one would be. Cause, um, I'm just going to say sitting in like a fan section of a game of a, of a home crowd is a really fun experience. I mean, everyone feels so alive when you sit in a fan section. And I remember the one time I did sit in a fan section was at a soccer game. I believe it was the Timbers, the Portland Timbers. And they are crazy. Like they were going, they were going for it. They had a bunch of smoke. They were pretty much beating on their drum the whole time. And, uh, it's just a fun experience to like be with people who love the sport that much and are that excited about being there. Yeah. Yeah. That's yes. Very fair. Yeah. 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 fans care. Yeah. <laughs> Alternatively, <laughs> if, you, if you've ever tried to troll by going into the opponent's <laughs> fan section, uh, it's not a, <laughs> not a great experience. <laughs> you've lived to tell the tale, Bart. Yeah. yeah wow. I, I don't know if you guys knew this, but my eye, actually, it's fake. I lost it <laughs> the first time I tried that. <laughs> but anyway, anyway that's, that's so yeah, funny to yeah. me that three-fifths of us <laughs> had the same number one. Storing the court. Yeah. yeah. I know. I had the, the distinct advantage of being number one. So being first, <laughs> I'm gonna, It had to be someone. was original. <laughs> Everyone else after me was unoriginal, not me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, You're all copycats. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that about does it for our show today. Thanks for listening. Um, please give us a follow on Twitter. Let us know what you think of our takes. Let us know how trash you think they are. Please uh, we need to be kept in check. And uh, yeah, also let us know if you want us to talk about anything specifically. And uh, we'll be back next week with a, a new episode. So uh, please listen again. So thanks.